You enjoying that snow out there? How many fans of snow? Mixed crowd today. (laughs) I love it. It reminds me of the, when we go to God and confess our sins, that we are as white as snow. And I love that. And I also love because I got a four-wheel drive Jeep and that makes it fun. Um, But praise God, he controls the weather. Today, uh, we walk through another passage and another message on the other side of yes. And today's message, we're looking what it looks like to live on the other side of giving. What does it look like to say, yes, I want to be a generous giver. I want to give my life. I want to impact other people. I want to take the resources and the things that God has given me and us together or individually And I don't want to just hold on to them. I want to bless some others. And I want to bring more people into the kingdom because of what God has done for me. There's only some things that can be taught on the other side of yes. And it's like scan this room and know people of grace. There are thousands of generous people who understand what it means to live on the other side of giving. Not not say no to giving, but say yes to giving. In my lifetime, I have received so many things and And I've been blessed so often. I was processing this week some things along the way. Even as a kid, at Christmas time, I remember one Christmas, I wanted a chemistry set. And and I'm I'm dating myself. But back in the day, there was a chemistry set that had a a white metal case. And it had a a latch on it. And you would open it up. And there were all these concoctions. And if you put them together, you could blow stuff up. That's where it all began. That's where it all began for me. That's when I put these concoctions together. And I remember one Christmas coming down, it's like my parents, we were a lower uh, middle class family and uh, we didn't have much, but we loved much and we didn't miss out on anything. And, and I just couldn't believe it. It was in the JCPenney catalog. Like, and now it's in my hands. You don't even know what JCPenney catalogs are. It was like, there it is. Like, it's mine. And I just blew up the house and everything I could put in it. But I remember other things along the way. I remember one year wanting creepy crawler set. I couldn't wait to get creepy crawlers, put that goo in there, and then, man, you had your own oven. You could bake and cook stuff, and then you could take these creepy crawlers and put them on your, your sister's pillows at night, and they didn't know it. It was like, man, this is awesome, and there's so many things along the way that I want. I remember one time uh, coming back from fishing down the Potomac River with, with my stepfather, and, and we're coming along the way, and there was this bike that was there, and, and as an 11-year-old boy, it was a Schwinn, Five-speed, gray ghost, little tower on the front, big tower on the back, and the slick. Anybody remember those? Like, it was like, I remember it had a shock on the front and shock absorbers on the seat. Like, man, it was the bike. And I remember driving along, and, and, and my stepfather stopped and said, would you like to look at it? Yeah. I remember looking at it and, and then coming home and watching my stepfather, Andy, talk to my mom. And, and, and they just decided. It wasn't even a special occasion. And I remember saying, hey, my mom, your mom and I have talked, and we'd like to buy you that. I remember getting that bike, and I just thought, like, I was king of the neighborhood. You know, five-speed shifter, and there was bouncing down the road. Gifts that come that just blow. I remember receiving a 20-inch Mossberg bolt-action shotgun. Now, they're rare. One Christmas, and I went down there, I saw this long box, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you some truth. I used to be the guy that tried to find the gifts. I would run down the basement. My parents had to hide them. I just, I just wanted to find them and see where they were at. And, and I remember there it was. This, and I was like, oh, I hope it's a, a, a pellet gun. No, no, it's a shotgun. I remember thinking, holy cow, like, I got a shotgun. And I remember going hunting with my dad, step five for the first time and shooting that first rabbit. I can take you back to the spot. For the, I ate it, by the way. For those of you wonder, I ate it. But I remember that moment, just like those gifts along the way. I can remember, a, I'm a Washington Redskins fan. Go, go Redskins, the three of us are still root for them. Like, and I remember wanting, 
a Sonny Jurgensen, number nine quarterback, like, like he, Hall of Famer, Sonny Jurgensen, like number nine, like, and I remember thinking, oh, if I could just have a jersey, and one Christmas, like, I remember opening up this, and I was like speechless, imagine me speechless, I couldn't talk, like, <laughs> and then I remember the gifts that God has given me along the way, just, you know, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Greatest gift on planet earth outside of Jesus Christ, my precious wife, Anne. Like, God knew exactly what was best for me. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And, like, and then saying yes to my wife, and each day I get to wake up, and, and there she is by my side. What a gift to have my wife. And then your kids, like for those of us that God has just chosen to plant children in our lives, and, and, and being at the birth of your child, and for me the journey is I, I got to cut the umbilical cord, and there's this baby like it's yours I remember tears running down my face and just praising God what an incredible gift and to watch them grow in the Lord even as adult children now chasing after Jesus I remember one time coming home from we we were thinking God had this tug on our heart to pursue ministry and we had a vehicle that had a lot of miles on it and we were trying to say Lord we'll go we had enough to make it for five weeks to pick up everything and to go to Winona Lake Indiana didn't know much about what was out ahead, we just knew God was tugging our, and coming home from work, I worked construction, and I saw this van in our driveway, and, and so I went to the house, wondering, who, who's home, like, who, who's visiting Ann? Walked in the house, I'm looking around, she's, hey, how you doing, well, who's here? <laughs> no one, Jim, well, what's the van? Well, Ken Mundy stopped by, man, it was in our church, and felt a tug at his heart that we needed a vehicle, and gave us a minivan, like, just, just gave it to us, blessed, you're more blessed to give than to receive, and and then you have these things that are just, just joys of life, simple joys. George and I were talking earlier. Sometimes it's just fun to watch your football team win. Like, I know for some of you don't understand that, but sometimes it's just fun. Like, just those simple joys. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, I was rooting for the Terps yesterday to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes. Like, that would have been so good. Almost. But I can remember uh, the, the, the simple joys of, like, on bucket lists. Like, I've always longed to go bear hunting in Alaska, like, that was just a joy I have. Like, Lord, it'd be great one day if I could go bear hunting, take a tent and just plop it down on the mountain, wake up and stand outside and drink your coffee and say, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just thinking about it and there was a man at Grace who was a f- close friend of mine now, my accountability partner. Wasn't then. And, and he said, Jim, I, 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 I feel led to just take you to Alaska. And I... Uh, now I feel like led to take you. I won't pay for everything. Took me to Alaska. Let me sleep out under the stars and, and to wake up in the morning and see killer whales and to see otters floating on their backs and, and eagles scooping up fish and dropping f- tanks to, to gr- get shrimp and then and to hunt black bear in Alaska. Dude, that is awesome. And then to be able to bag a black bear. There's nothing like as a hunter... Some of don't understand this, but it's, you're standing in the woods, and a lot of you do, and there you are, just you and God in creation. There's a black bear that you bagged, and now he's on my wall, my office. My wife doesn't let him bring him out in the front room, but he's in my office. <laughs> then I recall, I mean, I, the list is long. I, 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 when Isaiah was about to be born and we didn't know what our kids were. We, we, we didn't have a, a reveal show. <laughs> and uh been fun, though. I would like to take some shotguns and show you some blue. I mean, it just, uh, but 
We didn't have it revealed. We just trusted the Lord to say, whatever you bring, God, we're going to enjoy this. And we weren't certain what Isaiah was going to be. And, and we were just going to rejoice. And if he would have been a girl, he would have, she would have been Susanna. And, and we had a name Isaiah. And, but it was tight times in our homes. And in the early days of, of working here at Grace, and there was a man in the church that said, my wife and I feel a tug at our hearts that we like to care for the expense of your child being born came to us, and back then there was a thing called special delivery. And Isaiah, he was a special delivery. And praise God for him. And if you prepaid prior to having the child, it would pay for the whole birth. And so he said, we'd like to prepay, but there was a catch to it. Your wife, your, the, the mom, had to deliver the baby in 24 hours, in and out. It's like a drive through like. <laughs> So we began to pray. Lord, Dear God, please, dear God, please, I pray that there's no complications. I pray, God, that you would honor this, this gift from this brother and sister. And, and so Anne was in labor. In fact, we were going to visit a family in South Bend because they had just delivered a, a baby, Daly in Studeville, and we were on the bypass, and Anne says, Jim, 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 I'm in labor. Like, we just turned right around, cut right across the bypass and came back. And then I remember thinking, Holy cow, there's only like six hours left in this day. We can't go in yet. <laughs> that means you only have six, day, six hours to deliver. And they count a day as the day that it's on. We sat in the Goshen Hospital parking lot. Tell them I said hello, by the way, whoever's answering there. We sat in the Goshen parking lot. And I kid you not, she's in labor and I'm praying, please, Jesus, don't let this baby come yet. Please, Jesus, don't let this baby. And at 11.59, we walked out. I carried her in and we're walking in and... And she delivered Isaiah, and within 24 hours, in, out, Isaiah. Completely paid for. The list goes on, and we all have them. But there's something that happens when you're on the receiving end of someone giving, and there's something that happens if you go back to those people who gave, they were filled with utter joy. This principle of giving is all through Scripture. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what I mean. And I want you to begin by turning to 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. And we're just going to look at this one verse and, and because, tell them I said hello again. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 15. Stand with me as we read this. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. It's just one verse together. Powerful verse. And look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. I want you to read it with me. Paul's trying to describe who Jesus is. And he tries to do it in a sentence, which is incredibly difficult. But this is what he said. Read it with me. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. Ready, read. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Read it again. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You may have a seat. Like the greatest gift ever given. (laughs) Ever. And will ever be was indescribable. I mean, Paul couldn't even like, I can't even describe it. Like, how, do you, how do you describe a God that gives his only son to save the world to people who have nothing to offer but their sin in exchange for eternal life? Imagine what this e- e- eternal gift has done and, and what it's done for you and me. It can take the mess of our lives and turn it into something beautiful. That's what Jesus does. And the good news is this, John went on later to describe this, this transaction. He said in John three sixteen, for God so loved. And because he loved, for God so loved, he gave. You see, when you love, you give. For God so loved, he gave. 
And he didn't give a secondary thing. He gave his best. He gave his only. Scripture says his one and only. King James says his only begotten son to us. And whoever believes in him will have eternal life. He gave his best. How do you ever respond to a gift that's so free? Many of us in this room, hopefully all of us at some point, will trust in Jesus Christ. There's not a gift you'll ever receive them better than Jesus. Never. And when you receive Jesus, it changes the way you live. You see, when you truly understand this gift, it changes you forever. And once you receive the gift, you become generous. You know, because, wow, if God gave that and I'm a child of God then I should be like my God. I shouldn't give leftovers and I shouldn't give my second best. When someone comes over to use a tool, I don't give them the one that has the more dense one. I give them the new one because, hey, God didn't give us a leftover. He gave us his best. If we're going to be like Christ, we don't care what we give. We, if someone needs a car and they need to borrow, we don't give them the one that we don't drive. Here, here, take the Cadillac, take it. That's what God did through Jesus. He gave his best. He didn't give them the second best. When someone borrowed something from you, do you give second best? No, he gave the first best because he loves us. Some of the most generous people I know are Christians. And yet, boy, do they know how to give. Yet the problem is they continue to be generous towards themselves. (laughs) Let me buy me another. Let me give me another. By the way, nothing with possessions, wrong with possessions and We have them, we enjoy them, they're all gods anyhow, and we feel blessed to be able to use them. But Paul tried to describe this whole giving principle. He did it in 2 Corinthians 9. And then later, he tries to say it again in another passage. Look at Acts. Turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. He's saying goodbye to his elders at, 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 at Ephesus. And as he's saying goodbye, he has a farewell speech to these elders who had come to love, he had served with, and, and they were in the, the, in the church that we understand in Ephesus or the book of Ephesians, and they know that he's leaving, and as he's getting ready to leave, Paul says this to them in Acts chapter 20, verses 32 to 35. He talks all about giving. Look what he says, now I commit to you and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's what? What's the word? Silver or what? Or what? Wow, I have not coveted. That's incredible. Anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands, Paul said, of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my what? He helped others. And then he says this, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the what? What's it say? The weak. Remembering the words of Lord Jesus himself, and Jesus said this, it is more blessed to what? Than to what? There it is. Paul reminds them, not only about this indescribable gift, and then he's looking at these elders and these people, he's saying farewell, and he's looking at us today, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the same word then is applicable today. You and I are more blessed to give than to receive. And he says, do it to help the weak. Remembering the words of Jesus, look after those who have less than you. Imagine a world where Christians gave freely, It is impossible to love without giving. One of the goals for this year that I've prayed through the goals, and and this week again, I looked at the goals, shake it up, and I went through them, and I was looking through them, and I was praying through them, and, and one of the goals was this, for us to be the most generous church on planet Earth. 
Like, wouldn't that be awesome to be known that way? Where every single attendee, every single attendee gave at least 10% in their offerings. Imagine that for a second. Imagine if every one of you understood this principle in scripture. And imagine if we just, like, that's, that's, that's the baseline. And I think we should give offerings above that. But imagine what could happen if we regularly did that. You see, the reality is this, is having that goal. Why do we have that goal? Because we don't want to charge people. When you walked in today, did they charge a mission for you to get in here? If they did, let me know who they are. <laughs> I'm calling the elders up and they're coming after you. <laughs> we didn't charge a mission. You charge a mission to go watch a sports game and they charge a mission to go watch a Christian concert and they charge a mission for a lot of things, but we don't charge a mission here. You know why you're able to come in freely today? Because many gave. And you know why you're able to worship God today and, and open up his word freely? It's because people gave. When the offering plate is passed, people are giving. Why are they giving? You know why this building addition was built? You know how it, it just didn't just pop up? Because people sacrifice and your children and their children one day will come to know Jesus Christ and grow because people actually gave. That's how it takes place. And so as they're saying goodbye to Paul, it says in verse 36 this, it says, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. It says they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Picture these men who had done ministry with him. God had called him elsewhere and he's leaving and they're sobbing, hugging him and giving him a kiss on the cheek. And it, and it said what grieved them most was his statement that he would never, they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And why? Why were they moved so deeply? Because they had witnessed a man who had lived his life giving, 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 giving. And they were the recipients of his teaching. They were recipients of his faith. They were recipients of him prodding and pushing, saying, give, help, weak, help them, be compassionate. And they realized there might not be another man ever that will come into our lives in physical form outside of Jesus Christ that's more like Jesus than Paul. You see, when you run in the circles of generous people, it changes the way you live and you respond. And the truth is, when Paul was leaving, it was a challenging time. You know why we give? You know why you give? It's so that people can find Jesus. That's why we give. I mean, you walk through the hallways of Grace Community Church and you can see on Wednesday nights, you can see youth running and being taught. You can see children being taught. You can see people praying. If you come here Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights, you can see Mark Umbruster who leads our, our indoor uh, ministries here. You'll see guys and gals running around the track uh, getting exercise, coming to our weight room, going to the women's curve workout. You'll see basketball being taken. But you come here on Thursday morning, you'll see a meal being served to the underprivileged to our community who, who don't have food to eat. You'll watch ladies come in and feed them. You'll see people standing in line and they're receiving a voucher so they can go to a local grocery store and get food and be fed. That's the kind of stuff that's happened because you give. You know why? Because people are generous. That's why orphans have been rescued in Cambodia and Thailand. Over 50 orphans have been rescued, not just rescued, they've heard the gospel and every single kid in our children's homes in Cambodia and Thailand have personally trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Because you gave, you were generous. 
We have missionaries around the world and across the street, and you see them flowing on our screens before the service, and each week we highlight one of them, and we're asking you to pray for them. They are the recipients of someone giving. Someone is giving so they can take the gospel to the nations. And not long ago, many of you gave to the calls in Iraq when ISIS was pushing out Christians who weren't willing to deny Jesus. And they stood and they left and many of them had lost their husbands. And and so you gave. Almost a quarter of a million dollars was given through Grace Community Church to get apartments in place to bring refugees and put them in apartments for six months, food, so they get back on the feet. And many of these people were white-collar people. They were people who had lost their businesses because ISIS had pushed them out. And we, because, and you, because we love Jesus, we were able to help them get back on their feet. And now many of them are going back to these villages, going back to these places. They've been equipped. They've been loved by this local church that Maloth leads. And many of them have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's because you gave, you gave, you were generous. Our last trip in, we led a workshop there, a wood workshop there. And while we were there, we heard the story of a precious lady who now works for Pastor Malaf. Her name is Feta. And she tells the story of being pushed out by ISIS. And as she got pushed out, her husband had a business. They had no money. They find themselves in her bill. And, and, and she finds herself living on the street in a tent She has no idea. They have no idea how they're going to make it. Yet, there was a group called Grace Community Church that felt compelled by the Spirit to give, and this took place. This is Pastor Malat telling the story while we were there about Feta. Watch this. Uh, The Good Friday of 2015. Uh, And before I... I was preparing myself to go downstairs to uh, to the service... And then I received a call from a person that he used to work with the relief and, and uh, shelter project that we used to do in our church. And he called me, Malad, uh, there is a family that has been sleeping in the park for two nights. Uh, and they have no place to stay. They have no apartments. And they had just, you know, the, the, the old, you know, kind of like an apartment owner. He just, you know, let them go because they couldn't make it. So they were like staying in the park for two nights, and then he was—he he, just—he was—he te- was telling me like, could we do anything to them? Mm-hmm. I said yes, of course we can do something for them. And because of the the projects and the, the shelter project we've been doing with the Grace Community Church at that time, so and because also at the same time it was like very tight in timing because uh, that time was like an Easter and Good Friday we had really we we're not really actually working in this like apartment, so. That day we, we, we took them to the, uh, to the hotel. So we rented them a room in a hotel. And then, uh, and then, uh, and then after, like, after the Easter, uh, after we prepared an apartment for them, so we could move the whole family, Ashur and, and Feda, and they have two boys. And after that, I just you know, came to know because we started Bible studies in these uh, apartments. So it happened, uh, Feda joined me in my, in my Bible study. And I didn't know who she really is because I, just like I, I heard about them, but I did not meet them in person until the next week. And then she told me, do you know my story? I told her, yes, I know. She told me, no, you don't know the full uh, kind of like version of my story. She said, 
when we, we were kind of like when we were kind of like stayed in the park and that was like the hardest two days ever of my life you know just like you know staying in a park with no really like an apartment no rooms no home and insecure being kind of like exposed to the everyone and you know we are a men's culture uh, this is kind of like a new thing to them it's a very very hard thing to them she said for two days i was reading my bible and I was calling on to my God to intervene and to do something. And I came to the point that I, uh, no I was, uh, what? I was angry. Uh, yeah, she was angry at, at him and, and, and she told him, I, uh, you've forsaken me, you've done nothing to me, and this is your Bible. She just closed her Bible and she decided will not talk to her God anymore. She said at that minute, at that moment, a guy from our church was crossing the road, and they came to them. They said, you know, I just came from a crow, from, from a street, and come with me. As she, she, was, she was saying that the day after that, we went to the hotel, and I could not just believe myself. Today, we're going to sleep in a bed. Today, we're going to sleep in a room, and then pillows and, and all these things. And after a little while, she was, you know, she went uh, to the apartment. But she told me something very exciting. She said, like, for one week, I could not raise my head up and talk to him again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Oh. And here we go. Uh, they are committed family to our church. Uh, she's a full-time now working with us. She's uh, in charge of the shelter projects in our church. She now helps people uh, to get settled and to help them with their rent and, and, and with their, a lot of things. She has two wonderful boys and a great husband, Ashur. Uh, and uh, they're doing good and, and since then since ever you know they've been like with us praise God thank you so much Grace Community Church uh, for the great work that you're doing in your life God bless you oh. isn't that awesome to hear that story it's because you gave when the offering plate was passed you gave when the offering plate was passed you gave prior to the offering plate being passed, you prayed and you got together if you're married and said, how can we honor God with his money? What's our plan giving plan for our family? And, and, and even personally, as the husband of the home, as you lead your home, do you pull your family aside and your wife aside and say, this is what God would want for us to do, to be obedient. And, and because we give, this is what can happen. Like, don't you want to be part of that? I do. I love being parts of those kinds of stories. And so this brings us full cycle to this day. What does the Bible say about giving? There's so many passages, and it's implicit the whole way through, but there's a principle that is in Scripture. And I just want you to just quickly turn to Malachi chapter 3. Here it is. Here's a principle. I didn't write it. But God inspired the prophet Malachi, and then God himself is referred to as saying this. But look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, and just look what it says. And Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. Go to Matthew and turn left, and it says in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, it says this, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them, return to me, God says, and I will what to you? What does it say? Return to you, says the Lord Almighty. 
But you ask, he says, how are we to return? And he says, will a mere mortal rob God? And then it says, yet you rob who? Me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings. And then the prophet said this, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me, because you're not giving. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the Lord says, do what me in this? Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you what? What's it say? Bless, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And I, I know I, I, this is Old Testament, Old Covenant. And you say, well, that's Old Testament. Listen to me. When Jesus came, he raised the bar. Jesus would never expect less from New Testament believers who were so much richer than these poor Israelites. So the principle is we give, and then Paul says later in 2 Corinthians 9, given it shall be given unto you that there's this principle in place that when the offering plate comes, when the need surfaces, we give. And then when we give, we're blessed if we give. Not only are we blessed, but other people are blessed. And God will keep bringing it and giving it back to us. I love what Billy Graham said many years ago. He says, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it helps straighten out almost every other area in his life. And so what's God say? He says, test me in this. And see if I will not give you so much that you will not be able to stop it. I know you want to say we should never test God. And I've heard that and I would agree with that. So my answer to this is this. Don't test God unless he says, test me. And he says, test me in this. I have never met in 22, almost 23 years of ministry, and, I'm, and I, tried, I tried to think this week, I have never met a generous person who regularly gives to God who is in bondage financially. I've never met him. I've never met someone. However, I have met many people who are in bondage to bills and debt and worry because they do not give to God. Besides, financial partnership with God brings incredible blessing. Besides, do we really think that 100% in us is better than investing 90% and 10% with God? God and 90% and 10% will always trump our 100%. There's also this one verse that also gets overlooked in this. And in verse 11, it says, If we give, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. One translation says this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits. He will prevent sickness, damage, the devourer and devourer from coming. It is a spiritual issues, and then the nations will call you blessed. I can't tell you how many times I have known wives or husbands who want to give, but one or the other says, we can't, we don't have enough. And let me speak to men who are the head spiritual covering if you're in a marriage. Our responsibility is to have our families to walk in obedience and to protect and to be the gatekeepers of our homes. If you are looking at your wife and saying, we can't do this, then what you're saying, I have opened the door for the devourer to come and have permission to devour this. See, not in my house, not on my watch. That's never going to happen. 
because we're supposed to be the gatekeepers. So gatekeepers out there, husbands, are you letting the devourer come and destroy your children, their children, and your wife in this marriage? There's these principles that God has set into place. You see, God says, test me or try me in this. We continue to, even as individual, like I can't tell you, I can tell you, I'm serious, hundreds of stories Graduating from seminary, some of you heard this, some of you had. I remember getting to the end, and we felt called to Grace Community Church, and we wanted to land in Goshen. So we began to look for houses. We looked at our finances and realized we can afford this much. Ann and I consider the cost. We, we, we always tried to. We didn't want to have, we didn't have any debt on our credit cards. We didn't, we, we use our credit card, pay it off at the end of the month, and get 2% back. We use their money. Now, that's a good plan. We do that. But we had no debt. Went through, went through seminary. I remember going through seminary. Three-year degree, 92-degree MDiv. Over $100,000 would be what it would cost. We got to the end of that in two years. Working construction. I worked around my classes. $16,000, $17,000 year. You can do the math. $33,000. Stood before the loan officer. We found a house. Ended up being in New Paris. We thought, man, that's a long way from Goshen. We didn't know much about this area. That's where God wanted us on Tarman Road, 19183 Tarman Road. We saw it. It was $80,000 or $80,500. That's the max we could afford. We wanted to buy this house, and we went to the loan officer down in Warsaw, handed her my W-2s. She said, that's great. Can I see the last two years? One year, 16, one 17, or 15 or 16. She said, can I see your wife's W-2s? I said, ma'am, that's it. <laughs> she said, you just finished, graduate from seminary. I don't see any debt. She says, I notice you don't have anything in savings. You have no bills. And she said, you lived on this for two years with two kids? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, how did you do that? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I told her our story, how the Lord provided. I kid you not, this loan officer, she said, she said Jim, the numbers don't, don't crunch. <laughs> the formula doesn't work for you. We shouldn't give you a loan. <laughs> she said, but if you were able to make it off of that with that, then why wouldn't I give you a loan on this? <laughs> and we just praise God. You see, that's what's on the other side of giving because you know what? The whole way through seminary, didn't matter what I made. And I'm telling you, we had little. And there was every my justification in our mind that say, man, we don't hardly make anything. How can we give? Because God says, do it. It has nothing to do with how much you make. It has everything to do with what you're willing to give. You see, God is the one that has put this principle into place and in his sovereignty operates and acts according to his own plan here. And even in the New Testament, give, and he says, and I will give it back. You see, when you give and I give, we can do the work of the Lord here and lives are changed forever. It takes money to train, to reach, to give people. Let me just say this. Let me pull away and just say this so you hear it from me. We don't ask you to give to keep the lights on at Grace Community Church, but to give the light of the world to those that are walking in darkness. We don't give to keep the lights on. We want people to meet the light of the world and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Besides, I believe that Grace Community Church can always be a mooring point of hope because we're in the community for the community because I believe we have the message that changes the world. It's called the indescribable gift and it's Jesus Christ, but it takes resources to make that happen. I would also say this. We don't ask you to invite your friends just to fill the auditoriums, but to keep populating heaven. That's why we do it. That's why. Can I get just one amen out of that? Say, we're talking money. It's getting quiet in here. And you're sitting like, oh, 
Holy cow, he's talking about wallet. Honey, hold on to that thing, would you? <laughs> when you give, there's such a joy that happens when you do. You see, somebody gave so that you could find Christ. I was thinking about this week, like, how many people in this room and in the South Auditorium and watching by internet right now? How many of you, because of the ministries of Grace Community Church, because of the men and women who teach, who share, and children's ministry and youth ministries and adult ministries, remarkable women and, and even our men's men, how many of you personally have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Don't, 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 don't acknowledge this. How many of you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior through the ministry of Grace Church? Or, secondly, have made a, a new commitment to Christ and you've seen life change in your life, either for you or your children or grandchildren. Like, somebody gave so that you could hear and if they didn't give, then you wouldn't have heard. Let me, I, I did it in the first service and it was amazing. If you were directly impacted by the ministry, you came to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, or you made a new commitment, or your children or their children have come to Christ because of the ministries. Would you just stand? Just, just stand, please. Just stand up. Come on, take a look at that. Look around. Look, look, look around. No, stay, stay standing, please. Stay standing. How many more people are there like this? I love the Guffies. I love the Holies. I, I love the Shanks. I love the Pontragers. I love the Yoders. I love the Yutzies. I love the Lambrights. I love Steve Troyer. I, lo I love Nick Miller and Shanae. I love you. And what would have happened if people didn't give? Now listen, there are other people out there that need to receive what you've been given. And when you've been given this indescribable gift, the principle in Scripture is we give to. Amen? You may have a seat. That's why Jesus put it into place. See, let me, let me just say it this way. I personally don't think we have a money problem at Grace Community Church. I think we have all the money we need. It's just in your bank account. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> it's all there. I'm telling you, that's good. And I couldn't wait till I was ready to deliver it. Inspired, anointed by God. It's the truth. You see, some of you get that. Let me tell you something. Praise God for my wife and praise God for our children. Like, I love that our adult children give to God. I love that they get offering envelopes. <laughs> like some of you don't even have an offering envelope. Like if you're coming to Grace Community Church, track it. You know why? When my wife hands off the offering envelope, she puts a big smiley place, face on. I was like, God loves cheerful givers. You see, we don't have an income problem. We have a priority problem with Christians. Me? over others. Me before God. You see, giving is a byproduct of understanding, hear me out, what we have been given. Why in the world would we not want others to have what we have, this indescribable gift called Jesus Christ? 
So here are a few things that I personally have learned, my wife and I have learned on the other side of giving. First, I don't fret and worry about the future, nor does my wife. We don't worry like, what, man, I'm 56 years old, what happens in retirement? We don't have enough in our 401. Or like, uh, oh man, I might have to work till I'm 95. Or, I'm not sitting around like, Because I'm just being faithful, what I've been given, I'm, I'm given, and I'm, I'm trying to make wise choices, and the reality is, God promises to be good on his word. And so if we give, he's going to give back. I don't fret and worry about the future. You know what else I've learned on the other side? There is utter joy. When I watch videos like we just watched, when I hear stories and I saw you stand, like, there's joy in that. It's amazing what can happen when we step out in faith and just trust the Lord. Mike, McKee, I know your story, brother. Praise God that, we, that, that you showed up, brother. You're here today because there are people that love you. What else do you learn on the other side? You see, my faith grows when I trust God. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it, to trust God? But when you do, you have this faith bank, this reservoir that says, just do it, keep doing it. God's good on his word. You know what else I've learned? God really does provide over and above what we need, doesn't he? I have so much more than I need. You know what else I've learned on the other side of giving? I'm not haunted with guilt and shame. Like, these kind of messages don't tick me off. They don't. Some of you, they do, though. You know what else I've learned? You get to witness your own children do the same. And I think, as a father, I've tried my best. And my, and, and my wife, as a mother, have tried her best to raise our children to be obedient. And we've set a principle in place, and as best as I could as the gatekeeper of our home, I kept the enemy from devouring their lives. You know what else I've learned? Watching others be blessed. Like, I love when one of our graduations at Fight Club, we tipped a gal who delivered a pizza. We took an offering two chapters ago, and she came in, and she didn't know it, but we knew it. We took an offering, and she came in. We were going to give her all the money that was given that night, and we were going to tip her. She came up on stage and walked over here, and as best as I can recall, it was $3,000 some, some dollars. Can you imagine getting a tip for $3,000 some dollars? She walked in and handed her the pizza, and she's like, whoa, that's all dudes here. What's happening here? She, she walked in. <laughs> And we said, we'd like to give you a tip. And she was kind of shy and handed her this money. This envelope had $3,000 plus in it. That was just awesome. And tonight, we're taking an offering. And you come tonight. We have a special offering that's going out that you guys are going to love and wives and families are going to love to be part of too. Tune on Facebook Live tonight and you'll see it. You know what else I love on the other side of yes? I can preach and not feel a bit convicted. That's good, man, because some of these messages, they tear me up. It's like, oh, do a better job, Jim. Get at it. Praise God for his grace. <laughs> you know what else I've learned? The grip of greed is broken in my life. Boy, that's a good place to live. Like when I go out to eat and there's a bill there, I don't have dinosaur arms. <laughs> Who's paying? I just grab that baby and say, God provides. You know what else I've learned on the other side, and you can too? I get to testify to the goodness of God's provision, which encourages others. You know what else I've learned? 
my heart is in a good place with my God. You know what else I've learned? I let the blessing fall on my wife and my kids too. That's good. That's the gatekeeper of our home. You know what else I learned? I keep the devourer from wreaking more havoc. Life is hard enough. Why would I open a door to the enemy and say, here, eat, 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 devour, devour, destroy, keep, keep, come on. Even as singles, you just let him in, let him tear up your life. You know what else I've learned on the other side of giving? I get to help populate heaven. Like, that's good. And I was thinking about this week, and I did some math and went back and looked at some figures. And the 20-some years that we've been here and you've been serving and giving, because of your faithfulness and your giving, all praise to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, because of the message of the gospel, this indescribable gift has been able to go out in the last 22 years here at Grace Community Church. Over 10,000 people have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Praise God. You see, the reason we give is because we know what we've been given. And his name is Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, help us. God, you're so good. And God, I pray that we would release our hands and our hearts. And God, we would be willing to be obedient. And God, not only that, that we'd be willing to give and be generous so others can experience what we experience. God, you're good. And when we begin to think about what you've done for us, there's just no reason not to be generous people. Because you gave your best for us, your only son, so that we can experience eternal life. God, you're good. So very good. In Jesus' name, amen.